All right, so this is a podcast. It's called At Your Expense. I'm Trevor. There's Cat over there. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, on any of the platforms, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever the fuck you use, we're there. Um, you know, go to our anchor at anchor.fm slash at your expense pod. Uh, look us up on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, we also have a link tree with links to any relevant actions, petitions, or events. And in our audio and video descriptions, we include links to relevant sources, um, other resources, and any, anything like that. So, um, all right, let's get started. Okay, so welcome back to the second part of our interview with Josh, Megan, and John, organizers and former employees at No Evil Foods. Uh, we had a great conversation last week and all had a, an emotional experience together at the end of it. We wanted to give some space and time to process that. And we are so gracious for our guests um, coming back and even elaborating on what happened last week. Um, what happened at the time of them organizing the union at No Evil Foods and how that's still affecting them today. And given the UFCW's already bad history of sexual harassment at high levels, as well as how the national UFCW ignores the complaints of women for years, I would be very concerned that the union would take your harassment complaints as seriously as we would. So I just kind of want to touch on what happened. Um, as we were talking about uh, the way that they exploited everybody's fears, whether that was through, you know, sexual assault or harassment, whether it was through, um, you know, people's former incarceration and all of that, these meetings really played up on fears of that. And as we were discussing that, um, I kind of went into how one of the owners, Sadra, uh, pretty much framed it like, you know, sexual harassers would run rampant in the workplace and asked me directly if I thought that Harvey Weinstein was absolved of his crime and just really, really awful things like that. And as we started talking, getting into a different subject, I, I started to panic. My heart was racing. You know, I was hyperventilating. I was walking around on my porch, just like shaking my hands, kind of stimming, I think is the right um, word for that. But it, I just went into a full panic attack. And of course, John and Josh were holding it together and like continuing the conversation while John is trying to comfort, comfort me amidst this panic. And it, it really set me off. So I'm really glad that we were able to reschedule. And I'm glad that you had us back to talk about this because this is what happens when a company tries to bust a union. They will send you into that panic. That's the idea to make you look unstable, to make you look not okay. And um, I just really appreciate you guys having us back. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for coming back. I can't even imagine what that experience is like because, um, you know, obviously it, it didn't stop at the union bust. You know, it's something that still affects people much, much later, sometimes forever. So I just, I'm so grateful for y'all and I'm so sorry um, 
that this is even a thing. Don't stop us anytime. Let us know. We we want to be in solidarity yeah. with with that experience with you. I appreciate that so much, and I definitely will. But I'm ready for this, and I'm happy to be here talking about it. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Um, so last time, I think we stopped um, before we really could get into um, uh, any t any talk about the hazard pay um, that y'all were y'all were pushing for. Um, before that, we were talking a little bit about um, COVID and how it affected. Um, uh, the treatment of employees um, and like how um, the workplace actually handled the pandemic. Uh, I know John was saying um, it was not handled very well at all. Um, and yeah. that um, was wanting to just um, kind of ask if, if that initial union vote um, had uh, was successful, uh, do you think going into the pandemic, um, the treatment of employees during that time um, uh, would have been uh, better or um, would the, what kind of difference do you think that would have made? I wonder about that sometimes personally. Because um, the thing about like a union drive is the, the actual vote is the first half of the battle. The second half is get the negotiation table. So I'm wondering how no evil would have tried to manipulate the situation with uh with negotiations you know so if they hadn't actually stalled out the bargaining i feel like what they probably best case scenario wouldn't have done is roll out that 24-hour decision where they gave people three options and i feel like we would have had a little bit more say in their response i mean honestly i what led up to that 24-hour decision by itself was them not listening to the, the fears that people had. I mean, we were telling them and telling them over and over and over again that we were afraid to be there. And I had the plant manager at the time tell me that that was the safest place we could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A and no, it's not. And no, it's not. She was, she was actually arguing with me about the way that it was transmitted at the time. And I was like, okay, we are in a confined space. Like this is out, this could be outbreak city in like three seconds is if one person comes in here and has it. And, you know, like we were just afraid and they probably, you know, like this is best case scenario, but they would have taken our concerns more seriously. And yeah. I really don't think they would have rolled out that 24 hour decision. Yeah. I think like the, the like the cleaners that they, they're saying, well, we got all these disinfectants and cleaners and you could go and read the late like one was a surface cleaner that was effective against like that specifically was explicitly said will combat coronaviruses the, just just one cleaner in their entire you know and there's there's already already uh research coming out that said like the virus has a capacity to like live in the air for up to two and a half hours mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i i got like serious like the plant manager i got serious like suck it up and don't be a don't be a sissy kind of vibes off of oh him. whoa um when all of this kind of kicked off right before the 24-hour decision thing happened yeah um john and i actually approached the plant manager her name was her name was becky at the time uh, she doesn't work there anymore but um we approached her and we were like hey we're scared like we want to take all the paid time off that we have 
just until, you know, we know more because more updates were coming out about uh, COVID-19 every day right at the start of it. So we just kind of wanted to take the week and see what was going on and whether we felt it was safe to go in there. And we actually have this recorded, but um, she ended up telling us that uh, work is the safest place that we can be. And she also told us, uh, she implied that we were living in our own reality by suggesting, uh, no, no, <laughs> no bullshit. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like, this. no bullshit. She oh. suggested and implied that John and I were living in our own reality by taking the initial reports of it, it being transmitted through aerosol droplets. Yeah. She said that it wasn't true and that, you know, everybody <laughs> has their own reality. So that's pretty much how it was handled. Yeah. Oh my God. Insane. I did not know. I, I don't know if you told me this conversation, but I definitely forgot it if you did. Yeah, no, it was insane. I can, I can send all of you the audio later. Like we have it recorded. She, it, it was terrible. Um, she was saying, this is the safest place for you to be during COVID is at your workplace. And we know that it, this is like a warehouse, uh, sort of like, a what, like assembly line or factory setting. Like what, can you describe kind of the work area that she's referring to when she says, this is the safest place for you? Like you walk through the doors and like you're in the building and to basically get into the production facility, you have to, or you had to, um, go through these tiny, what were they, like the size of a closet gown rooms yeah. to like, um, put on like a, a coat and, you know, beard and a hairnet and all that stuff and gloves. And then when you're actually in the production area, depending on where you w were at the time, uh, I, I just want to emphasize that I'm I'm speaking to how it was. I know all. Well, yeah, lot you should because that's when it's happening. There. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. So at the time when you were on a machine, you were standing next to people, and when you were um, on a conveyor belt, you're standing next to people. And when you're like you're always standing next to people, no matter where you are, you're next to somebody, mm. and it's it's just impossible to consistently social distance while you're there, like. Um, the person they had designed the whole floor initially, like again, like I don't know how it looks now, probably completely different. But the person who designed the building, the facility initially had no experience designing these sort of spaces. Oh, no. Um, so like, you know, it was basically like you had these two closets on the side that you entered into, and then it was like basically one big room that was divided in two. So like, you know, like. You, like two garages put up to, large like mechanic garages put yeah. up together with like a single dividing wall and there was no real thought put into like how the place was laid out and how this they were going to scale up their industrial equipment um and like you know there there'd be no way to work these machines trying to distance there would be no way to pack the food and distance the, the, the idea of distancing there would be impossible and like you know they didn't even they didn't even really provide proper like respirators or n95 or anything like that they didn't even attempt they're just like oh we got these paper masks suck it up oh wow okay so did she clarify at all when she said this is the safest place for you to be did she explain why or in what way that could even remotely almost be true she said that uh she feels uh less safe in her car she said that she worries more about the germs in her car than about the germs at the workplace. This was all her opinion. And she was presenting she it to us car? as if some <laughs> yeah, kind of scientific fact. 
Okay. That was my first thought. I'm like, oh, really? Because I feel a hell of a lot safer in my car. I, I also I also want to throw in something too. There was a lot of emphasis on the fact that we we had to stay open. We like when they couldn't afford to shut down. And number two, they were um the uh, yeah, the department they they passed out these letters that said like the Department of Homeland Security uh issued a mandate that we are required to stay open because we're an essential sector of the econ of of the what was it, the food chain oh, or something like, something like that? Supply and, chain. And it's like, a dude, like, yeah. And and I'm saying this, like, let me emphasize, I'm saying this as a vegan. They make fucking $8 sausages. That is not something that people absolutely need to buy. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, and it just, it's, it was just mind blowing. Like you're risking people's lives to come in here because you quote unquote can't afford to shut down, even though you have these multi-million dollar investors. I, I just, I, <sighs> There's so many things wrong with it. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So I guess they got automatically grouped into this essential worker category for being like a food production site. Is that kind of how that works? Yeah. yeah. So, and they were handing out that certification to pretty much any and all businesses. Uh -huh. Like the, um, like the whole like process to be labeled an essential business was completely like, like just with rubber stamp. I mean, mm -hmm. it's boutique vegan food. <laughs> like, I mean, it would have been understandable if they'd shut down for like a week or two to figure out how to safely handle this situation. They could have been a lot more thoughtful and they could have like, you know, maybe consulted like actual like experts on the subject instead of just saying like, oh yeah, we cleaned this place all kinds. And like the, the, the cleaners, like we're not idiots, we can read. And like none of the cleaners that we were using on that floor were rated to do the sort of thing that you would need to do to like for a coronavirus. There weren't even air filters in there. Oh I mean, for crying out loud, they, yeah, their air fil one of their air filters, I, no meme was like cheesecloth. Uh, <laughs> so pretty thick. <laughs> Yeah. Lots of holes, lots of uh, not filtering going on there. If we want to talk about the filtering, like, I know they're not going to know what the mix room is specifically, but I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's where you mix all the dry ingredients, but there were air filters in there, like little like plug-in ones. And they were always caked with fucking shit and dust. And so that was like a normal day. And now with coronavirus, it's like, no, there was no proper filtration with, uh, especially in terms of like COVID and how that would affect everybody. Absolutely not. And how, oh, how do you handle and how do you filter and how do you even kill a disease that you like, you don't know anything about. It's been out for like what a month at the time yeah. in the U S in the, yeah. yeah. Well in the U S like they, they, and then they say that this is the safest place that they can, like we can be like, you just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's just There's so, so much ambiguity about it. Yeah, I mean, and what really boggles me is how they could shut down for one or two weeks and figure out how to like safely protect their workers and move forward. And like in the end, that would make them even more productive, right? Like if they don't have like to lose workers and have this worker turnover, like their goal is to make more product. They could do that more easily if they took a break to take care of everyone. So it's just, it's it's really mind boggling this whole capital mindset that we have in this country of, you know, stay open, take the certificate, no matter what happens, businesses come first. And it's just, in the end, it would be better for them if they weren't like that, right? I feel like it benefited them in a way to come out with that 24-hour decision and give all of the people right after the union vote a chance to take it out and get rid of some of the organizers and get rid of some of the people who were there for the union vote and do it in a way where it was like, 
well, you know, it's your choice. If you want to leave, you can. If you want to stay, you can. And so they lost, what was it, a third of the workforce because of that? Yeah. Yeah, it also disqualified uh, people from unemployment. Yeah. Um, people had to fight to get unemployment because technically they took a severance mm -hmm. or, yeah. or they just quit. But technically you're quitting. What they did was essentially make sure that nobody could uh, get unemployment after leaving without a fight. You I think that what? was the real intention they behind didn't it. Fight me. But... There was no fight. Well, maybe they left like the, the possibility there if they did want to take that route, I guess. I mean, I was kind of like a, oh, you want to fight kind of mode. Yeah, you're kind of like a problem that they just wanted to sweep under the rug problem. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, y'all just changed my mind because actually, you're right. It is more beneficial for them to um, not take those few weeks and figure out how to protect you guys. Because like you said, they benefited from that 24-hour notice and getting rid of any of the people who had a problem, right? And so they would have kept yeah. not... <laughs> In, in general, people who had less dissent, maybe. And then back then, remember that everyone still had this mindset that there's an endless supply of workers. And if you don't like it, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get rid of you and there'll be someone else willing to take your place. Now I'm loving to yeah. see that uh, it's not quite that way for a lot of like fast food <laughs> restaurants right now and other places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is just awesome. It's like, whoa, people cool. don't want to work for starvation wages. Weird. Mm -hmm. I, so, okay, so funny anecdote, and I don't want to take up too no, much time saying this, but but it was really funny because right now I work at a grocery store. So um, this happened the other day, actually. I was bagging this lady's groceries, and she made a comment that was like, oh, you guys are so understaffed because nobody wants to work anymore, ha, 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 and said it in this, like, jovial tone. Mm. And I just want people to know that the only, way, the only way to respond to that, if a customer says that to you, is to cheerfully encourage them to apply at your job. The look <laughs> their face, the look of horror on this woman's face was priceless. Like she was uncomfortable the rest of the interaction and you can't get in trouble because you're just being friendly. Hey, come work with us. Like, no, they don't want to do that. The people who say that shit don't actually want to work the job that you're working. Of course yeah. not. No, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay, so let's talk hazard pay. What is it and why do people deserve it? Well, it's basically, I mean, this is just my perspective. John and Megan were there. They were in it to win it for this one. But like, it's pretty much the least you could do for your employees that are risking their safety in an extremely precarious time. Um, you know, yeah. it, the back slapping that some people were doing about it, but like what well, no evil food was just offensive. I'll, I'll let them continue though. Yeah. Well, I mean, why do people deserve it? Because they're coming in every day to make eight, $8 vegan sausages and they're doing it in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, in, in the case of no evil food specifically, I mean, they're risking their lives to come in every day. It's a risk to come in to that, enclosed area every single day to make that product or i mean in general it's a risk to go into any customer facing business or um pretty much any workforce at, at like it, it's unless you're working from home like you're pretty much working around people and there is a there is a hazard involved with that and um i just it, it was it was just so offensive the way that they dangled it in front of our faces and said, well, you can get hazard pay, but you have to qualify for it. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about the specific 
24 hour decision more in detail, but um, I remember reading, uh, if you want hazard pay, cool, you can have it. If the virus doesn't kill you in the next 90 days of work and you can't miss one day for anything, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was probably one of the most surrealist experiences of my life. I that cannot whole... believe that was literally a condition. Yeah, that's like, what the fuck? That's what crazy. Like, well, and I kind of hammed it up a little bit in that situation. Like, I really made, like, my email replies were, like, very much like, oh, I'm really worried about things go going down. Me and my spouse, we're getting ready for, we're getting ready for the end times, brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to go like, oh, we really don't want this guy back. And maybe we don't want to dispute this dude's unemployment. <laughs> hey, I like that. That's a good strat. So just so I got this straight, y'all were asking for hazard pay. They said probably something along the lines of, well, we can't afford that. We're a new company. We're still a small business, blah, 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 blah. We can't afford hazard pay. Is that like a general argument when hazard pay is asked for by employers and that they like it's something that we can't afford right now? The, the, well, let me kind of backtrack a little bit. So the way it kind of went down was we were all worried about coming in every day and the way we approached it was we just circulated a petition and said, look, like, do you like the way that thing, like, do you like this policy where if you're a minute late to work, you automatically disqualify yourself from hazard pay? Or do you think that coming in every day, you kind of just, you kind of just earn, like, you just earn it by being here. And the amount of people who signed that damn petition and the amount of people who got on board with it, even if they weren't like telling other people about it or being like vocally supportive, they still, they still signed it. And people knew, even people who had voted against the union like a month before, there was a, there was a very tangible solidarity in that workforce that I hadn't seen probably since I had started there with that petition and with that with the organizing that took place around COVID. And I, and I feel like that was something that legitimately scared them. And yeah. they saw that and they, they were starting to realize that even if we didn't get the UFCW in there, we could still have a damn union and we could still organize. And I think that scared the shit out of them. Mm. Yeah. And it should. <laughs> yeah. My, my biggest lesson from like hearing about this secondhand was like, this was an instance where we, there was an instance of like, hey, if we collectively come together, we can actually have a a, a change and a voice here. You know, that yeah. was something that you, we weren't able to necessarily illustrate with the union drive because it was all very intangible things. We we couldn't just, you know, what, what John and Meg were able to do, though, they were able to go like, here's what happens when we speak as one. Yeah. Yeah, and in like in a lot of ways, I almost feel like if the union vote had been in in March, maybe we would have actually won because I, I mean it's it's there's so many variables. Like who knows? But I mean, we would have had something to rally around unless they just immediately handed out hazard pay. But like that's what I mean. Like there's so many unknowns about it. Yeah. 
And, you know, yeah. you always probably like assume that humans uh, have empathy and like yeah. a human nature that is good. And then, yeah. oh, they surprise you at every turn. Understand. Just a common Incredibly mistake. evil. Yeah. 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 Common mistake. You think they'd be like, oh, well, our workers are willing to keep coming to work during a pandemic. Maybe that's something that important. Literally thing that we risking should, like, your yeah, life be rewarding to, people extra for, to, to make a little bit of money and a whole lot of profit for, for your bosses. Yeah. Yes. That's incredible. So I think like, okay, so when we had the biggest support, when we had a lot of ones, um, it was like, it was December when they were saying, oh yeah, no, you guys got to come in Christmas Eve. And uh, everybody was just big mad about that. And, you know, unfortunately though, that's in the middle of the holidays. And like, you know, I don't know if we were able to, we didn't capitalize on that enough or if like, you know, maybe like, people had enough time to stew in it i think if we were able to get that vote in mid-january we mm -hmm. definitely could have had it yeah yeah i agree it was that it was that time where between like what you're talking about with the holidays and working on christmas eve and all of that and february like it was it, the, like the union vote either had to have been in january or would like in march I mean, like, and that's something like I've, I've been like just ruminating over and like reading a lot of stuff from union organizers. And the common thread there is, is like the way we were, we didn't communicate enough of how much of a slog it was going to be. We didn't, we didn't necessarily prepare ourselves for just how dragged out it could possibly get. And like, I think part of it was like all the people who were like, who were threes and not, not ones, but like they were like solid undecided were, um, like going like, well, what are what, what are we gonna do? Nothing's happening. Why should I? Why why should I believe you? I agree with what you're saying entirely. Like, if the vote had been either in December or if it had been in March or not, not December, maybe like Jan like you said, January or March. But the fact that they had all of that time to throw up all those posters, uh, vote no, and to pull people into these one on ones and scare them with whatever the hell they said to them and to hold all of these captive audience meetings and scare the shit out of everybody. I feel like that's really what turned the tables on us. So something that I've learned from you guys then is that the timing of proposing a union to workers can be very much crucial. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think like, you know, if freaking out, hold on you guys. Trev? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's good. Actually. I just got, it like for some reason it was saying I was running out of time and I knew that and I was about to be like okay let's get off and get back on but it I just got a like a little update from zoom that like a notification that says we're gonna let you have like you don't the 40 40 minute time limit is is not applicable to this meeting like you, why you can have I don't know I don't why trust it, it says it says, it says a gift from zoom nope it's says. <laughs> No, they're they're they're, 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 sure? they're observing this meeting to to oh, learn fuck. the techniques of the evil uh, union they say, organizers. Keep it coming. I'm using all this in the lawsuit against Josh and Dave. Fuck. Okay, so, right. so we have a time limit. Then? I don't. See, yeah, the 40 minutes that oh. was on top of the screen disappeared. So I think we're good. Well, okay. Sorry to interrupt. I saw Trevor like like flailing his arms no, and like screaming at like, the, yeah. the screen. I was like, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> have a break, but I guess we didn't need to do that. 
Okay. Well, okay. In that case, I have a question about uh, forming a union since that's what we're talking about. Do workers have a choice of union firms to represent them? And if so, what is the variety like? And do you even call them union firms? So I've never used the term union firm, but that's essentially what it is. You have your bigger unions and like, I'll remind you again, I am not an expert. This is just what I've learned. Like, between the union drive and Google and talking to the union organizers at the UFCW, but you do have different options. I mean, you can go for a bigger union like the UFCW. They're, I think, the sixth largest union in the country. And then there's also the model of like the IWW, the industrial workers of the world, where you don't even necessarily need NLRB recognition because you can do the same kind of thing where we put the petition together and do all of that. Like the main goal is coming together as workers because whether you have a big union behind you or a small one, or if it's just the workers, you know, you, as long as you have that solidarity between the workers and you can come together on those common issues, that's what's gonna help you regardless of what union you're with or even if you have one. Um, and I think that's re a really important distinction to make, too, because, you know, after the union drive failed, we were like, okay, what do we do now? And so you just, you keep going. You need to keep trying to organize the employees there. And yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, the, like I can understand some of the confusion around it. So like, um, you know, you got to think of it like, okay, so like something like the Teamsters, um, I would say it'd be like if you rolled a horde character on the white main server in World of Warcraft Classic. You know, it's a big server, lots Fuck of people, yeah. but it's totally <laughs> it's totally possible you become another face in the crowd. But if you say like you you did a server transfer to uh, Deviant Delight, well, there it's a smaller server and there's a lot more specialist boutique kind of guilds that you can work with and will be more cognizant of your needs. And that's kind of the difference between like the 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 large um unions, I was about to call them a guild, uh, the large unions <laughs> like the Teamsters and uh, something smaller like the UFCW. Okay. And then my next question then would be after you have a union, a contract's been made and that contract ends in a few years, let's say, do the workers then have a choice to switch unions? Like let's say they were unsatisfied in any way with the one that represented them for that contract period. Um, so like, as far as I understand it, um, the, to switch a union would require a whole new vote. So you'd have to have the whole process over again. I don't know if I, I would assume that you'd have to like leave the union as employees and then have a whole new vote, which leaves you to a very vulnerable yeah. position for management to take advantage of that. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, kind of risky. Yeah. Um, I think, like, I mean, if you were like a small place, like, you know, like, because like, I mean, like, there's a lady from the NLRB who, who like, one of the one of the management had gone like, oh, I bet this is the smallest place you've gone to. And her reply to her reply to him was like, nah, I was at a, a, a place that was unionizing last week and there was only 14 employees. Yeah, hell yeah. So like, if it's like a small place like that, I mean, like, you know, if you were like in a, a plant with like 1500 workers, that's a very risky endeavor. But like, I think if you were like a smaller place, it, you could be a little bit more nimble if like, you know, at least if you were able with a union that gave tangible enough benefits to see people know that it's worth it. 
Yeah, I guess I was trying to think like what protections, because last time we had talked about how union firms or, or union, like, like the admin, sometimes make a lot of money. And so I was kind of like seeing them in like a business kind of light and then thinking, well, what kind of protections do workers have against unions that represent them? And you would, you know, ideally they would be on your side, but as we know how business goes, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And so I guess, like you're saying, it would just be up to the workers maybe after a contract period with a union. Um, if they were happy with having a union, but maybe not everything about the firm, they could revote to have another, but it is risky. So I guess that's just a hard place. So I actually asked this um, to the organizers um, that we were in contact with at the UFCW that were trying to help us organize this union, because that was a main talking point of Mike and Sadra yeah. at No Evil. Of, you know, the union doesn't have to represent you. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do that. What if you're unhappy? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I asked them about this and I was like, well, what if we're unhappy with the representation that we're getting? And what they told me was that, you know, this is literally from the UFCW. This is what the organizer told me that the union is not us. The union is the workers. So if the workers are unhappy, they can either petition for things through the union. They can talk to their shop steward. They can, there are multiple avenues that you can go through if you're unhappy with your union representation. And that this isn't me advocating specifically for bigger unions. Um, I actually like the smaller model better in my own personal opinion, but at the same time, like they're like your, your boss is lying to you. If they're saying like, oh, you know, you won't be able to change this. You won't be able to change that you could be stuck in this no that's not how it works if the workers come together and they decide that something isn't working to their benefit there are avenues that they can take to change that and it's not something that you should use to fear unionization you can get around that yeah and like i mean and every union handles their structure a little bit different like i know on the shop level it's pretty standard procedure for like, um, if your representation at work is not good or you're dissatisfied with them, for, I think you can pretty much call for a snap vote of no confidence. Um, and I'm pretty sure most unions, are, they're democratic by nature. And so I was reading some unions, they do have like conventions every year, or every two years where each region elects representatives to, to represent them at like the, the kind of committee, like convention situations. Okay. One of the other things too, and this is just something I want to throw out there, is that like this will be used kind of as a talking point against unions, but like that, that the union doesn't have to listen to you, but your manager sure as hell doesn't have to listen to you either. Okay, that And the union is actually there to represent you. Your manager, yeah. And your manager is there to actually just make a fucking profit. You're, the union is there to represent you. The manager is there or the bosses are there to basically represent the investors and the bottom line. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, there are mechanisms within a union um, that are, you know, that are supposed to be democratic, that like people do have a say in, in like in those, in those terms and in those things. Like, so like, but like, obviously in your workplace, you have no such um, avenue to like have your, your concerns addressed at all by your employer. Well, that's not entirely true. I mean, we had a suggestion box. <laughs> 
yeah. see how well it worked out Hell for you guys. Yeah. And, and listen, there, there are like I, despite everything that happened, I mean, they're still my friends. Like I, I hang out with them all the time, and they totally like read every single suggestion I ever put in that box. Tell oh, me, yeah. was there a time where that box was just overflowing and like graffitied and like just totally decimated? No, this process. No, really? it, it, that would that would require a certain level of people being. Emo- that emotionally invested. I mean, like, you know, the average American worker, they're, we're, they're beat. We're all beat. We're yeah. tired. Um, you know, we're, we live in an extreme level of financial precarity and, you know, most people just want to like, you know, if you're in your early twenties, you're just trying to like, you know, punch in, punch out and then go home and get some heavy, some good mids. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're like older and you got a family, like you're kind of hanging on, to what you have as much as possible so like you know yeah very much the whole don't rock the boat you know boat i mean don't rock the vote uh i don't know where that came from but like um you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> this you know you don't and that was kind of one of their talking points was like look at how much we're paying you mm. yeah it's like their they're talking point is basically like Look how much less you could get paid. <laughs> like basically, right, right. They're like, they're like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> it's crazy, insane. That, that like, Although, you're exactly right though. It's like people don't, you know, have the time or like the means to usually even be in a position where they can care about that or even think it's possible to organize for other conditions because they're just so worried about you know losing the job that they have and maybe and even having exhausted. to get a worse one or not having one. Well, the as far as I know, the comment box never got vandalized. Some of their signs um, around COVID did get vandalized, and uh, one of them was um, a sign. That, uh, there were a couple signs they had put up that basically said something to the effect of "Make sure you're washing your hands." And <clears throat> somebody had crossed that out and said, "Send uh, just crossed out the whole thing and said just send us home in the middle of an unprecedented global pandemic, you ghouls." And <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I mean, mm-hmm. did they ever use, like, you're, you're talking about the suggestion box. I know, like, you know, you're saying it ironically, like, that's, like, a process for them actually meeting any concerns employees have. But, like, did they ever, like, point to that and be like, oh, oh we, absolutely. Have, oh, we have a suggestion box. We have a mechanism <laughs> like, yeah. for your concerns. Like, you don't need a union. You can just <laughs> put your That is a good poster. <laughs> that is great. You could really monitor the relationship between like management and the workers by the distance that was growing, like physical distance. So like when I started working there, all the admin offices were like right next to the floor. And like, you know, you could actually like walk by like, like uh, Mike and Sager's office every day. Um, But then like, as they started taking more space in that, that, um, you know, spot, and like uh, building offices that were in the back, what would end up happening was more, you wouldn't see them more and more and more and more distant they would become. And that was like, it became very apparent when around Thanksgiving, they were like, okay, you got Thanksgiving off, but you got to come on, come on on Friday. So we're all going in there Friday and we just, you know, lights are out in all the offices. And I'm kind of like, wow, yeah, this is leadership we're seeing everybody. Outside out of mind. You don't see me. Yeah, they're like they're, I'm like you know they don't they don't care they all get salaried pay. They're getting yeah. paid to not be there actually. So one of the things that they did that I, in retrospect, it was very very clever, um, and kind of on the page of whether or not they're listening to us or them pretending to listen to us. Um, and this is this is one of those tactics that you wouldn't know because it's so it's so veiled like you would never know that this is something that 
can be used for a dual purpose. But they basically broke us down. And this is this was like shortly before the union vote, but just within like that window. So it was still legal for them to do something like this. And they broke us down into like these little groups. They were like rotating groups. So you would have like, I don't know, five people in a group and you'd have one manager in that group. And then you would go over any grievances you had. They, we call, I mean, some of us called them bitching sessions. Like we would just complain and tell them like, oh, I mean, we're worried about this or concerned about this. And like I said, this is pre-COVID, this is even pre-election. And um, and then so like that session with that group that you were in would last for maybe, I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And then you would go to a completely new group with a completely different new, uh, uh, a different leader, uh, a, a, like a different manager. And then you would have like a different group of people in that next meeting. And you would basically talk about grievances with those people. And then it would rotate and rotate and rotate and rotate. And it turns out that this is actually one of the tactics that they can use to basically like find identify leadership and identify people who are speaking up for other people and they can they can pinpoint who in their view would be like the quote unquote troublemakers and so they're they're able to use that moving forward like towards the union stuff they know they already know they already knew i mean if this is what they were using who to take out yeah exactly exactly yep i i i at least in some of the groups I would see, like eventually the conversation would be nudged, nudged to uh, grievances with individuals. And all of a sudden, like that individual wouldn't be in the group, Ooh. but a lot of people would have a very strong opinions towards the end of that uh, meeting about said person. Ooh, damn, that's fucking insidious. I mean, that's like class war 101. Like you guys against, need to be pitted yeah. against each other. So you forget about fighting us. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> that's fucked. God, that like gives me chills. Just like all these different tactics that y'all described to us. And I feel like you're telling us a new tactic like almost every time that like we talk about tactics. And that is so crazy. They have so many strategies that are apparently very effective. Yeah, and unfortunately, especially if you're somebody who is interested in organizing a workspace, there aren't a lot of scripts necessarily. And there, the few that are out there, you know, they have been disseminated and they, they have like, they have, these firms have psychiatrists that they consult yeah. with. You know, I don't want anybody to feel that discouraged or to try to give up, but like very much, you know, you've got to kind of think about how you would go about doing it. You know, like if I were to do it all over again, I think we would have probably moved a lot slower at the beginning mm -hmm. and probably would have done like committees like, okay, each person has their assignment on certain things. And then there's got to be like somebody who's kind of going to be available to pick it up whenever somebody's like, just like out of spoons, you know, like hundred percent. Absolutely agree. Yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe a good like script or maybe anti or um, strategy against them would be just going in. I mean, now that y'all know the psychology behind what they're going to deploy on you guys and going in, trying to be like defensive against that since that's their biggest attack. Right. Or just warning people ahead of time. Like, look, they're going to try to pit us against each other. They're going to like, they're going to gonna, like prey down. on your vulnerabilities. Yeah. They're going to make you feel crazy. They're yeah. going to, well, you got to really think um, in terms of like what, individual bosses are going to say once they are in full like disinformation mode yeah because i tried to warn people about you know the, the whole process is called inoculation 
but I mean, like I'm learning about these phrases as I'm trying to implement them. And like, you know, I couldn't articulate, I, I want to say it's like lack of imagination on my part and lack of preparation. Cause on top of all this, I'm trying to live my life. And, um, you know, you really got to start thinking like, what arguments are these people going to use against uh, organizing? And you got to like, you know, be like, yeah, I bet they would say blah, blah. And then when they come in and say that, you can like look at the person that you're, you're that three, you're trying to turn into a one. And like, uh, you know, though they kind of, you can give them like a knowing look and an eye roll. And you know, that, that just proves like, yeah, see, I told you they're going to say this. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on, um, <clears throat> Cause I know uh, y'all were all presented with this uh, basically situation where you had to decide. Um, I know Josh, you talked to us last time about how you went ahead and uh, took the, the money um, and then uh, decided fuck their NDA, but that, um, that you're, you know, you're not going to be beholden to that, but they did basically um, make, make people sign an NDA if they wanted to take the money to leave at the time. Um, John and Megan, you obviously decided not to do that and to, and to stick with it and stay there. Um, I want to know, I guess, more about y'all's decision uh, in, in that situation. You want to go first, Josh, or should we? Uh, no, you guys go first. Okay. I just have so many thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> I've discussed this endlessly with John and, almost everybody that may, if it had to make this decision, um, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, I feel like most of us didn't really feel like it was a choice. It was like, John and I are in the position, we don't have any kids, you know, we are fairly healthy in the sense that like, we figured if we got Corona that we probably wouldn't die. And I guess that's a really sad sentence now that I'm saying it out loud, but like that, that was our mindset. It's like, well, we'll probably be okay. You know, you know, we got to keep working, you know, we still have to pay rent. We have to do this. It wasn't really a choice for us. It was like, for us, it was like, what are we going to do with $1,300? What are we going to do if we just randomly quit and hope they'll rehire us, which they would never, ever do. Right. And so I don't know for us, it wasn't really a choice. It was like, we had to stay there. And I'm curious what Josh thinks about that and how like the process he went through making his decision. Sorry. I just wanted to chime in here too. Um, like I, I was all in with this job and I, I don't know if I mentioned on the last episode, but like I moved to North Carolina for new evil foods. And that is so sad to me now. Um, but like, I was really, I was here for it. I was here for the ride. Like <laughs> whatever happened, happened. And I, I they were going to literally, they were just gonna have to fucking fire me to get rid of me. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I really wanted them to do the right thing for so long. And like now it sort of feels very naive, but I, I really had hope even after the union that they might have some kind of an epiphany and, and turn around and do the right thing. And I don't know, I, I guess the, this is kind of a long winded way to say that I was really just all in with this company. Yeah. And I, at that point, even after the union, I had put a big target on my back, but like, I, I, I was still trying to push them. Yeah. I wanted to see it through. Exactly. Damn. You really like had faith in and were willing to like be such an integral part of, and like believed in this cause and this company. And like, they still did you so damn dirty. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, 
it for a while it kind of bothered me and i mean i'm over it now but i i really like you should see some of the letters i wrote to them before i actually um before i was even hired uh, the summer of 2019 i i wrote this long ass email to them and i i was like your values align with mine I really love the, the work that you're doing. I want to be involved with plant meat production. I want to make this into a career. I want to be with you guys, like possibly for the rest of my life. Like this is something I want to do. I want to be involved with a company that's like yours. And that's just looking at the surface level of, you know, what this company theoretically would be if they actually lived up to the values that they market themselves with. Yeah. 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 That just adds like an extra layer of like uh, just fucking abuse on their part towards like you and other your coworkers who like, yeah, like definitely, you know, had this image of them as something they really wanted to be a part of. And that they actually, you know, thinking that this company strived, you know, towards the same kind of, you know, uh, ideals that y'all did. And then just having to slowly realize that, you know, they're going to really just protect you know, their bottom line and their interest at the cost of their employees. Um, I, I guess that that's even, it, it seems even, even like an extra layer on top of just, you know, fighting for your rights in the workplace. Like most people who are organizing unions probably don't really give that much of a shit about the job either. Like a, a lot of people probably, you know, in the Bessemer warehouse, like don't really have a passion for Amazon, you know, yeah. Like, they just want to like go to work, work exactly. hard, get fairly compensated, take care of their families. Yeah, but to, but to but to have on top of all of that, this being something you actually believed in, that mm. just seems like just even more of just a huge slap in the face. Like I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I wanted I wanted to see. I, I really genuinely I'd still love to see it, and I and maybe I'm sure this exists somewhere, maybe on a smaller scale, but like to have a company like a vegan meat company sort of leading the way on something like this and saying to their workers, Hey, you guys want a union? Fine. Let's fucking do it. You guys want a voice? Like, fine, let's do it. I want you to be as important in this company as my investors. Or I mean, but like even just saying that, like, obviously that would never happen unless their investors were okay with it. But I mean, these investors clearly weren't. So and well, I don't even think what's... you're asking for like too much when you say, I just want to be as important as your investors when really ideally you'd be more important, right? Because yeah, you're the one yeah. doing all the work, but just asking, can I be as important? And but they it, still refuse that level. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, definitely not like, you know, as, you know, passionate about it as John was like, I mean, he came multiple states over, um, but like, you know, having a food service background and like, you know, the, the politics that I do. And at the time, you know, like, um, you know, especially because, you know, I do care about how our planet is treated. I, I care about the welfare of animals. Um, I, you know, I felt that a lot of my values did align with the, the, the espoused values of no evil food. And like, I mean, I looked into them a little bit and I was like, okay, I mean, some of this stuff's a little, a little corny, but that's all right because this is what they want to do and they want to like actually contribute. And it's pretty much the same thing. I was kind of, I wanted to like, and I know this sounds corny in retrospect, but like I was looking to make this a career. I was looking to make this like a long-term endeavor because yeah. like, you know, it was, you know, I've worked a lot in food service. I've, I know, I know pretty much every step of the supply chain 
and I know just how devastatingly awful it is for our planet. Um, so like for them to do, to treat us how they treated us was just kind of like, you know, just kind of the height of capitalist realism as Mark yep. yeah. put it. There you go. Yeah. You know, just the, the idea that, um, Hey, we're, we're, we care about things and we donate um, our food and we're saving so many bathtubs of water. We're no meme. This is on their packaging. They measure their, the, the water saved in bathtubs that, you know, we import all of our flour from like, uh, I think it's Holland. Um, just mountains of plastic is, are, are used every day there. Yeah. And, and like, you know, the, 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 yeah, the dressing up like the Zapatista uh, uh, chorizo they did and like the comrade cluck. And so, you know, it tricked me into thinking like, hey, these are people who are, who truly are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And honestly, I don't even think that like, it's so much the investor. I don't think the investor really cares about if they were, if it was union or not. The only thing investors care about are profit. Mm -hmm. So I think that like what happened was they saw they saw this as a threat to their own like control. And then they hit the, uh, Hey, we need money for uh, un union busting lawyers, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess you kind of touched on it already, Josh, but like, just, just thinking about like, no matter how much good a company wants to do for its workers or like you're saying, um, or says that they want to do for, or for the world, even, you know, like actually trying to, to make products that, you know, are caring, you know, are, you know, uh, caring about the welfare of animals and the environment. And they can have all those values and they can even align with yours. They could want the right thing, but it's like, as a company functioning within our capitalist system, the, like they, ha they absolutely are in a situation where they're going to end up on the opposing side of um, workers um, when, when, you know, when there's in times of crisis or in times of, you know, people being unhappy with the conditions. So it's like, they're obviously like, even if they did care about the same things and um, really, you know, like were this even kind of progressive company that y'all thought they were, it was, it's almost like this is always, it always is going to turn out this, this same way. Well, I think then that begs the question, can a completely responsible and fair company exist in our current society? Can <laughs> it? Yeah. Unless it if was you ask me, I disagree. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I think the closest you could get is probably like a uh, worker collectives. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are actual instances like I can't, it's like the third largest company in Spain. It's like a multinational, but it's a uh, worker. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're worker controlled. Um, at least up until their buyout, new Belgium was a uh, worker controlled and like a lot, like I, like at least people who worked there before the take the, the buyout. Um, I knew people that had worked there for 20 plus years with no problems, you know, like, uh, it's only after, after they got bought out and I mean like everybody who had stake in the company got compensation for it, but you know, they corporatized pretty quickly after that. Yeah. But it's unless the workers have control of, you know, the, the, the workspace, there is always going to be an imbalance of power. Exactly. Yeah. No. So sorry. I completely agree with everything that Josh just said. I just think it's worth, like, I tried to explain this to people during the union drive, and probably the way that I said it didn't come across 
might have come up, come across kind of pompous or whatever, but essentially in the United States, regardless of where you work, how great the benefits are, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you have the ideal job. Maybe you love your job and it's perfect, but your employers, their intention is to get the most profit out of your labor. You as a worker, your intention is to get the most, you know, money or profit out of your labor. So those two things are diametrically opposed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of, I don't know, that's just, that argument is what I tend to gravitate towards because you asked the question, you know, can a company operate ethically? under our current system and i think the answer is no just yeah. because you know their mission is profit and your mission is to survive yeah exactly like the goal of an, an employee and the goal of an employer are opposed to each other and that's yeah it's like that's what i was trying to get at basically so in an ideal world do we believe it would ever be possible for someone as unlikely as it is to go into a business venture thinking i'm gonna make just as much or very close to what my employees make and i want to put out a product for whatever reason they can work there, with collective ownership That's only with collective yeah. ownership yeah i mean i think there's like one like tech company out there where the 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 owner said you know what i'm rich enough and basically made everybody's base salary like 75,000 a year. Oh, but he I was that. Dude, yeah. like that that dude's cool. I've seen him on stuff, but yeah, that's Oh, like, is that the Twitter guy? Yeah, that's obviously yeah. Out, yeah. obviously like an outlier. <laughs> like yeah, I mean like yeah. I think like like unless like you know, there there needs to be like, you know, something in a legislative model. I mean, the Pro Act isn't perfect. I mean, they're 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 yeah. trying to get car check out of it. But I mean, like that would be the oh. biggest win for labor in like forty years. Yes, definitely. And like, um, yeah, it's just I, I worry that we're only thing we're gonna get for a while is capitalism with a smiling face. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, as far as like messaging then and marketing for the seemingly progressive or ethnically. Um, ethically, <laughs> ethically, damn, that was bad. Yeah, ethically, I was like, where you were going with that. Yeah, me too. For, <laughs> for these companies that at least appear that way, I, I guess it's important to always be weary that corporations will use like these social causes and these other values that they know are important to you in oh, order yeah. to get your money, and that they'll pretend to be on your side and even pretend to be, you know, be the change that they know that you're fighting in your like personal life to see. So it's just. You know, like y'all were saying, it's really disappointing and sad, but I guess that is the reality. Oh yeah, that's just like, yeah. so prevalent now. Well, and, and that—that's the thing is, it's all—it's all everything has become commodified to such an extent that, you know, in like the the whole voting with your dollars thing, people actually s still say that and believe it. If we're voting with dollars, then like Bezos uh, has more of a vote than all of us <laughs> put together. <Bezos. laughs> That's stupid. But that'll probably happen one day. Honestly, uh, he's gonna get bored enough. Kill me, no way. Uh, only when the singularity happens and he like interfaces <laughs> with Amazon Web Services, um, well, it is then he will actually like leave the confines of our atmosphere to become the, the overmind of Mars. Well, uh, fill us in, you guys. What has happened since? How has it been for workers and how has it been for management if you are still connected to people still at No Evil Foods? Um, uh, lots of people are being fired and or quote unquote laid off. 
uh, it's it's more disheartening to me than it is kind of like, oh, well, I told you so. I really, I, I want what's best for the workers there. I still do. I, I, I mean, at, at this point, the, the owners, I mean, they've proven themselves to be, unfortunately, uh, garbage. But I still care about the workers and I still want the people there to have what they deserve and at minimum they deserve a collective voice and i feel like they still don't have that and a lot of them even the ones who maintain loyalty throughout the union drive and even after the union drive have been let go and that's really really sad and and hearing, hearing you say that i'm reminded of 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 what we know about your situation which is that they ended up letting y'all go for some complete bullshit uh just because of what y'all were doing to organize for hazard pay am i correct yeah, well, for me, Me- Megan ended up uh, quitting on her own, but I w- I was fired for <laughs> oh the irony I was fired for a social distancing violation, uh, supposed social distancing violation and quote unquote performance issues, which was contested with the NLRB. Um, In Megan a ended up quitting. Where social distancing, like you told us previously, was impossible to do. Yeah, and that was something that I told them time and time again. It's yeah. not possible to do. And they fired me on fucking That's May Day. So funny. <laughs> oh, May Day? I forgot wow. May Day. Zero. You're awesome. Oh, man. That was actually, the, that's the coolest day they could fire you on, honestly. Yeah. I like yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a badge of honor, but it's also like a pretty blatant fuck you. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I wonder real. if they're like woke enough to. I'm sure they knew it was made. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, no, they are. If you go back to their Instagram posts, I mean, maybe by the time, uh, you know, this goes on, um, this goes up, it'll be gone. But I mean, there are screenshots of it. They had a May Day post yeah. celebrating May Day. Oh, with fuck off. With- with hashtags like organize and uh, no, solidarity and shit like that. No way. I am on, I am scrolling down the gram right now. I'm on my uh, browser. Well, send yeah, it no. now. I think I no. saw y'all post that actually when it was May Day just recently. I think I saw y'all actually post that like on your story or something that. that no that, fucking that, way. That they had, yeah, they fired him on May Day and they had actually made posts before about May Day. I'm livid. <laughs> Orga- yeah, I want to organize. There's a screenshot. There's a screenshot of it. I I think on one of um one of the pages, I would check uh probably Mo Evil Foods three. I think it's on there. Um, whoever runs that page is doing a great job. I think I think that would be a great thumbnail for this episode. Oh, that's oh, a great idea. Absolutely. Actually, yes. Yes, that's great. Okay, please. I want it. Um, like okay, I got I got a I. I Maybe you guys remember this a little bit more than me, though. But can we do a sidebar about the whole Zapatista thing? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. And and the 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 ironic part about all of this is, it's probably one of the best tasting vegan products I've ever had. <laughs> like I want to get um, that out of the way. It I was, hate that. Like that that was a frustrating part to me. Is just how awesome it actually was in terms of flavor. But like they named a um, uh, a product uh, uh, Zapatista. Mm-hmm. What was, wait, what was it again? Uh, yeah, El Zapatista. Yeah, yeah. El Zapatista. Yeah. And um, they they were like, you know, a percentage of this product will go to the school of Chapas. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were in the middle of this union thing, what ended up happening was somebody contacted them about this, and they were like, who? 
What? Like they didn't know? That's bold. Okay, yeah, that's honestly is, yeah. Whoa. And then, of course, we also had, like, Comrade Cluck with, like, the red bandana. I yeah. think that's still there, actually. I think they still have that, that one. That one, yeah. Wait, wait, but the Zip Zapatista one is not no. there anymore? yeah, they changed it, I think. They did? They changed it oh, to okay. something else, I thought. El Capitan. There you go. Okay, all right. Sorry, I was trying to... Uh, yeah, I, I, here. Um, I, I, I got it pulled up. Give me one sec. March 6th. 2020 schools for Chiapas said we do not condone the uh, we do not condone the exploitation of the Zapatista cause for marketing and we were unaware that we had been listed as allies we will be sharing our course of action we are in communication with Asheville Solidarity Network thanks for drawing this to our attention good they were not happy about it wait wait, wait. is that a statement from Mike and Cedra? no 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 that's a statement. no 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 this oh. is this is the actual charity the the Zapatista oh, good. Okay, charity good good, good good oh okay I thought they were trying to cop out good I like that's great that. <laughs> yeah stop they were like no yeah <laughs> Stop co-opting our cause to sell fucking products. You're profiting yeah. off of us. You have no idea. Like, you, who are you? Yeah, yeah. That, and that's that was like the funny thing about like when I when I was like I wasn't shocked at that point, you know. <laughs> and I, I really am tired of being like irony poisoned. But yeah. like, you know, another thing too is uh, Paul Blessed. He wrote an article for the Appeal. And he covered this, and I just wanted to read because he actually reached out to them about this. Give me one second, let me find it here. Here we go. The union vote ultimately led to scrutiny over No Evil's progressive branding, particularly its El Zapatista mock chorizo product. No Evil says it donates proceeds from the sale of El Zapatista to schools for Chiapas, a San San Diego based organization that, quote, provides resources and training for autonomous education centers and schools in the Mexican Southeast. But on March 6th, Schools for GFS tweeted that, quote, we do not condone the exploitation of the Zapatista cause for marketing it and were unaware that we had been listed as allies on No Evil's website. Um, And this is another quote. Uh, We were a little unhappy at first because they put our logo on our webpage and we felt they went a little bit too far without letting us know. So that was a little bit of a misunderstanding, we think. And they were quite cooperative. Peter Brown of Schools for Chia has told the appeal, quote, in general, we support unions. And I told them that. And they felt like some of their people had valid reasons to not support the union. But we but we decided that's not the kind of decision we get involved in. And then as so, yeah, um, a couple months. Well, what was it? Maybe like over the summer. I think so. Yeah. Like over the summer of last year, they ended up changing the name of El Zapatist to El Capitan and. <laughs> You no know, formal apology or anything. Yeah, did they release a statement about why, or like, or did they apologize, saying like, "Oh, well, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't." Have- <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Not to my knowledge. <laughs> That's crazy. Accountability? They they have not publicly apologized for anything that they've done, and that is one of the things that, I mean, at minimum, would be a slightly redeeming quality to just take accountability for like all of the shit that they've done. They've said in interviews that they've made some missteps, but to call what they've done over the last year missteps is, (laughs) yeah. I I mean, a misstep is having somebody who has no experience in like industrial layout design your floor um, to like go after manipulate and lie to your employees in the midst of a pandemic about conditions and to lie to them about the value of unions is, is just repugnant. 
Yeah, a lot more than a, just a misstep. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, and I just, I don't get, like, what are they trying to do? So you've got, like, comrade and, like, socialist militant, like, propaganda products. But, like, well, you are the yeah. man. Yeah, you, you are capitalism <laughs> embodied yeah, painfully. <laughs> what, what, what was even the original idea? I mean, the idea of any corporation that's just trying to appeal to people through different causes, but not actually like, act, you know, having to take accountability and change their business practices, which exploit people. But like, they truly thought know. they would not get caught. <laughs> they <laughs> truly thought no one it. like you yeah. guys would ever stand up and say like, that doesn't check <laughs> out. Or, well, yeah, I wonder how that's working out for them now because it, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you know, they, they messed with the wrong ones. I'm sorry. They oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I absolutely. can best, uh, vouch for that now. Especially Josh because he said, I will take your money <laughs> and I will say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I already got people coming after me. You can't hurt me. I've got nothing left to lose. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know i have a kid who is a uh, total care disabled and um part of the genetic condition she has like she has respiratory issues so mm -hmm. like you know really to me it was just a decision of like you know i'm i I'm, yeah no, dude, I mean, like, you can't you can't even like play around with going yeah. to work during covid yeah but i also i also like you know for better or for worst uh you know we'll say we'll we'll talk you know like Mm -hmm. I, I try to at least stand up for what I believe in, not to the extent of Megan and John. I mean, like they, they truly are the heroes of the story. I, hey, first of all, let me stop you right there because I don't think that's true. We both have different priorities. I don't have a child that is in the position of yours and you did, you did, you went above and beyond and you're still doing that by talking about it. Like you're a hero in this story too. We're all heroes. We're like, okay, don't well, even okay. say I'll that. Be the, like, I'll be the crusty character, but we just, you know, you, you guys are the, you guys like, are the anime protagonists. <laughs> So, yeah, hell yeah. In the story, you guys like are definitely. That. I like that. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I, I can't understand this unless it's a Warcraft analogy. <laughs> well, I was going to ask amongst you guys, like, was there a Leroy Jenkins of this organizing effort? Uh, I guess that would be kind of me. Hey, claim it, baby. Claim it. Like, especially in the meetings. Fuck yeah. Everyone knows I we need agree. Leroy. I agree with that. <laughs> um, but Josh, I was going to ask, like, is there anybody else in your situation? Like who, somebody else, like anybody else that, you know, who was a former employee who actually signed one of these fucking NDAs who later is like, well, fuck that. I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't keep my mouth shut. Like, I mean, I know that there's, there's one that like they had, they, so like, you know, they're, they're a single parent and, um, you know, they, they have a heart condition and, um, you know, when this all started, they had to make the decision to look out for their health first because, you know, they're a single parent and their family's pretty terabad. So um, I know that they were doing a little bit of talking. I don't know how they feel about talking right now. Yeah. Well, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we appreciate y'all so much. Yeah. There, there have been a couple people um, who have uh, done podcasts who broke their NDAs and or just spoke out in general and i mean to talk about like the real heroes of a story like mm -hmm. to defy that and to have the courage to do that you have 
these shitty NDAs that don't even really legally hold up, but you're still willing to speak out because you know it's the right thing to do. I mean, like Josh is doing it and lots of other people have done that. And I, I didn't sign an NDA. I mean, Megan didn't sign an NDA, but Josh, you know, like, and, and a couple other people who did that's commend that's so commendable. And yeah. So there have been several people who have done it. Yeah. And also the idea of like one hero of any, any of these sort of struggles is kind of a, I mean, you yeah. definitely have people that will like, you know, start shuffling the paperwork around, but it's always a group effort. Yeah. And you know, if you do it right in a unionization effort, you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, I walked into it. I walked into a union drive. I didn't start it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it takes so many moving parts for something like this to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point then, do you guys have a demand or a goal or what would you like to see happen at this point? I mean, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. Um, I mean, even the, even the people who were actively hostile to um, the whole like uh, unionization effort, I genuinely do feel bad for the, those that stuck with them and didn't get the same loyalty in return. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. You know, I, I don't wish ill will on anybody. For me, I feel like, I, I mean, obviously I would, I still talk to people there. Um, I'm still willing to help anybody who's still there in any capacity organize. But what happened at No Evil Foods is such a good example of what workers can expect if they unionize. It's it's a template. Like you can take what happened and you can look at it. I mean, there's there's leaked audio, there's leaked pictures. And it's all, I feel like it's all so well documented that any other organizers out there can look at what happened and they can say, this is what we need to expect. And this is what we need to prepare for. And we can learn from this. And that's really what I want. I want people to learn from this and I want them to take lessons away from what happened to us and apply it to their own situations because what they've been, what they did to us and what they did to you, uh, Amazon in Bessemer and what they've been doing for years. It's a, it's, it's a strategy and it's talking points and it's the same shit over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. and it works and it works and it keeps working because there's, there's such little emphasis and such a little spotlight on the tactics that they've been using and people need to see it and they need to like, they can learn from it. And I really want what happened at No Evil Foods to just be a learning tool for other organizers out there. 100%. 100%. I mean, like, you know, there are some good things that we did. Uh, there are some missteps that we took. But, I mean, it, if anything from this whole experience, I would love it if people would, like, learn from from it, you know? Yeah, so, like oh, sorry. Uh, Go, Megan. Sorry. No, I want to answer that question because you asked if we had any specific demands. And I can't speak collectively for everybody, but I personally, Megan Sullivan, have a few demands. Um, I think that No Evil Foods, every single person that they handed one of those 24-hour decisions to, I think that they should offer them employment again. I think that they should say, hey, we messed up. 
come back with a clean slate and let's work on this. That's number one. That's just number one. I think that uh, they should recognize that employ. they should encourage and recognize that employees have the right to come together and make demands in their workplace because they're the ones that are running the show. Like they don't, <laughs> people don't know it, but if you're a rank and file worker, you are running the show. The place can't operate without you. So what I think they need to do is not only offer people who were shoved out during COVID a job and some security with that job, they need to um, talk to me publicly about the article in Veg News. And I don't know if I touched on this with you, but um, there's an article that came out over the summer in 2020 in Veg News, which is a prominent vegan publication online. Mm -hmm. And they claim that we extorted them, that we have lied. What were all the other claims that we threatened their family and children? All these other ways? crazy things. Oh yeah. Okay. So sorry. I thought that I had already talked about this with you, but it was this, it was directed towards like y'all too, like or was it about like the effort, the effort in general, or about specifically y'all? They claimed organizers have put together an effort that we were taking big union money, that we extorted them, that we have lied that we have encouraged people to threaten their family and children. They said all of this publicly. Oh, you know, on further examination, uh, I take back what I said about like, you know, nobody, like nothing bad happening to anybody. Yeah, no, I think I forgot <laughs> how much of an alpha uh, badass Megan is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Oh, <laughs> He called me an alpha and a badass. No, I, I oh, can't right. That's the best. that. But, but no, the thing is, like, I have been encouraging since that article came out that they have a public conversation with me. I'll get on Zoom. I'll do a live whatever, whatever platform they want. I will do a live conversation to talk about these claims because they did it so carefully where they said organizers have done this. Okay, I'm an organizer. Let's talk about it. Oh, like. Yeah. Who did that? All of Provide proof. Something. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it, all of the claims are lies, obviously. Like, obviously. I, I have no problem with their children. It's not their fault daddy's a union buster. But it, it, uh, <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, I would love to talk to them about that. So my personal demands are that they rehire everybody that they shoved out during COVID, including me, because that's what they were trying to do. And um, I want them to talk about it with me publicly. Those are my demands. Sorry, I just had to add that in. It makes me so angry. Hey, yeah. I yeah. love those demands. I think those like those are demands they should really have to meet, and it shouldn't even be hard for them to do so. If they if they actually believe what they said about you and other organizers, then they should be able to address this and have a conversation about it if those claims are 100%. true. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I more than agree that that is way fair, but also I think, Megan, they would not fucking dare. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially not <laughs> with you. No, I would love it. it. <laughs> this is one of the things that honestly frustrates the shit out of me is that they, they, they won't actually speak with any... They didn't, like, a, a quote-unquote exclusive with Veg News, but... All of the other journalists who have done stories about this, they won't talk to them. They refer to them like their PR guy in Chicago. And the PR and guy is like, fuck no, because y'all are full of shit. Do not respond. <laughs> yeah, and we've, um, we, like, I remember when this story came out, I actually sent a couple of emails to the reporter kind of a, 
kind of going like, so you didn't think to maybe reach out to any of the organizers or to check, double yeah. check their story. Um, you know, as nice as possible, like just kind of going like, you're kind of a bad journalist. <laughs> you know, like you should probably like maybe get multiple sources. Yeah, you ding dong. That's how this works. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's very clickbaity. Got lots of engagement. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially since that's the only interview. Maybe they did that on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like whatever we say in this, which is obviously false and very carefully worded, like that'll be taken as it. No, I, I just, the Veg News article specifically really, really bothers me because they won't even call anybody by name. This is something that happened to me during the actual captive audience meetings is that they tried to claim, oh, well, organizers have said this and organizers here have said that. And, you know, I actually, we're all here. Say my name. (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually pointed out, I I said specifically to the owners after a meeting, after everybody had left the room and I was like, I'm really offended. You know that I haven't lied to anybody. You know, I haven't done that. And they (laughs) said, Mike's response was, oh, well, of course we didn't say that. We can't prove it. And it's like, first of all, motherfucker, that's because it isn't true. Like, of course you don't have proof of that. But at the same time, it's the same kind of tactic. Uh, uh, Back to tactics. It's a big, it's a big old circle. But like, you know, they, they tried to say during these captive audience meetings, oh, these people are lying to you. And then in this Veg News article, they're saying, oh, we're liars, we're doing this, we're doing that. Like, I would love to chat about that with you with an actual audience that isn't captive. Because I think that the response would be very different. Well, that's that's why they refer to people to their PR guy in Chicago, because they're afraid to actually talk off off the record. We can say him by name, Charlie Stone. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, We're not afraid to name around these these people. Damn, well, I just love how it is so apparent that these people are so fucking evil, and I love that that's, like, their name of their company. Uh, (laughs) But I want to make sure that uh, before we go, there's not any other aspect of this that you guys want to delve into, because the floor is yours. If you've got to say it, I want to hear it. Did I mention Courtney? Have I talked about the other person that filed? Oh, shit. I do not recall a Courtney, no. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay, so Courtney is an angel. She's absolutely delightful. And she was, she was, uh, and I'm sure Josh can attest to this, that she was part of the organizing drive on the morning shift with him. Um, and what ended up happening to her was um, she came in with um, a pair of pants that went pretty much all the way to a quarter inch above her ankle. And they said that she was violating the dress code. And they sent her home for the day, told her she was suspended, and then a couple days later subsequently fired her. And she ended up winning her NLRB case as well. But um, I just think she's worth mentioning because she she was one of the people who, even after she was fired, was helping me put together petitions. And yeah. she was a major part of the um, petition for the hazard pay and all of that. And they really did her dirty when all she did was go in and do her job and they fired her over a pair of pants that she offered to go home and change when she lived five minutes from the facility. So. And you're saying this yeah. is because she helped file, right? Oh no, I, I don't think she, she came in after she's got hired in January of that. No, they thought she was a, she- a plant cause she was involved in another <laughs> unionization uh, effort. So like I heard there, I heard like vague rumors oh. of like, Oh yeah, she's a plant from the UFCW. 
Oh yeah. Okay. That makes total sense on their end. Then like if she was, if she's yeah. got a, a history of unionizing, then yeah, of course they're going to be one of them that they wrongly fire and try to get rid and, of. Um, Courtney and I were both the, the two people who ended up uh, filing with the NLRB and we ended up both winning, kind of winning our cases. It never went to court, but uh, sorry, I don't, I don't remember if I actually mentioned this on the last episode, but um, we did end up basically getting them, getting the NLRB to admit that there was merit to our charges. And so no evil ended up settling out of court with the both of us. Um, we can never actually get jobs there again, which I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to work there anyway. Um, although it would be kind of nice to go back there and try to organize it again, but. But did they, um, gag order you guys as another stipulation or no? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have signed that fucking, nice. I wouldn't have signed it. No, no, no. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Cause I saw that about the NLRB cases and, um, how they were basically like, yeah, the reasons they fired you two total bullshit. Yeah. Well, I, and honestly, that's something that I do want to throw in here. The importance of documenting everything and the importance of recording things, if it's legal to do so in your state. I mean, check your damn laws first, but I mean, in North Carolina, it's a one-party cons- uh, one consent state. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a one-party consent state in North Carolina, so you can actually record uh, as long as you're part of the conversation. And that's one of the things that saved my case and Courtney's too. And just the fact that we documented everything. And so, like, if you're actually part of an organizing drive that kind of goes the same way ours did, and you have everything documented, file with the damn NLRB. I mean, at at minimum, you get the company to pay out. And you, like, so with No Evil Foods, they ended up paying me and Courtney um, a relatively decent settlement. And they also had to post... Uh, kind of like this flyer in a public area for 60 days that basically said that workers there have the right to organize. They're not going to be fired for organizing. Um, That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even though they were. What, um, what like corner of the workplace did they try to hide <laughs> that flyer? <laughs> uh, from what I, from what I was told, it was placed near the kombucha machine, which is just, that's just oh, a that's warm chef part. kiss. Yeah. Chef <laughs> kiss. <laughs> Yeah, chef's kiss. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, right next to the kombucha. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <perfect. laughs> what were you saying about, earlier about uh, killing people with irony or irony yeah, over irony poisoning? <laughs> yeah. You know, just just the idea that, like, you know, especially when you're like, like, you know, it all comes to, like the whole like idea of capitalist realism. Like, we're gonna put our NLRB notice that we did wrongfully terminate two employees during a unionization drive next to our. I, I presume locally sourced kombucha machine. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Where else? <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, I think like it's really important uh, to tell, you know, to like remind people that like recording, documenting these things is essential. Like if you want to actually be able to hold these people accountable later, like it's absolutely essential to be able to, to you know, show compare people notes. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. If you got, I mean, that if you was got one a- of the things that I feel like we did right. Well, it's just yeah. documenting everything. I think the most important thing out of all this too is just like, like you were talking about, like um, highlighting the tactics used to suppress union drives and to pit workers against each other and to, you know, have all this kind of psychological manipulation to break people down. Um, like they obviously, you know, did to y'all. And it's just like, 
that that kind of that playbook needs to be highlighted and like so many people need to to know those strategies in and out so they can combat them um in future organizing oh yeah absolutely because I, I mean like you know it, it's i just i feel like there also needs to be kind of a, like a like some people are actually doing this with or, other organization drives but kind of like a uh you know i definitely like you know you have this image of a union um of like, you know, workers standing together and stuff like that. But I mean, like, you know, really try to like put a context in it that is applicable to the, the, where you are at local, where your location is. Um, I mean, you can, you can, you know, and don't let some of these politics like turn you off. I mean, you know, if the person who's got like a Trump pen sticker still on their car, you know, reach out to them. There are plenty of union, old school union dudes that were like pro Trump. Yeah. You know, weird as it is and as a as i mean he he did pretend to be pro worker and there's plenty of people who were sucked into that so oh yeah yeah i mean like you know you gotta you gotta kind of keep keep a lot of like the uh like the face value like politics stuff kind of off to the side you know like you know i i wouldn't roll up to like a a, a more conservative co-worker with like my uh behind the bastard shirt with dj stalin on it and like, talk about, <laughs> like you know organizing but you know yeah. like it, it it's possible and it, it just takes a little bit of forethought you know so have y'all ever or thought about ever compiling a sort of like resource packet or something with any like of your experiences or information or like anything towards inoculation for like further efforts in other places or maybe another effort there at no evil i i have written up some things um and maybe they'll be published soon we'll see um that's my answer short answer cool cool something to look that's very cool um but honestly like the the stuff that's on social media, I feel like, is probably the best resource right now. Um, all of the articles that have been written about this. Um, yeah, moevilfoods.com is a fantastic resource. Uh, it's got all of this so nicely compiled for people to look at. Oh, absolutely. Um, also, there's um, a lot of free, like, uh, like educational, like, like classes and stuff out there um i'm actually signing up for one through the rosen rosa luxembourg school um it's called organizing for power like how to do like mass organizing nice. and it's like uh it's it's like the current class is uh already like uh expiration dates already passed but like basically it's like a four a four week program um of online classes with like actual like on the ground union organizers like people who have like, you know, done a lot of this stuff and it's basically how to, you know, cause he, I mean, these are people who like are, are very tight. Like they, they don't walk to the negotiating table if they have anything less than like 65% of the, you, the, the shop floor on their side for the contract. Mm-hmm. There's like, when they make a decision, they, they, they're very, very organized. So that's why they're teaching organization, I guess. <laughs> another another great thing that I just want to mention is if you're just looking to inoculate yourself to what you might experience in a union drive, contact the IWW. Oh, okay. they, they oh. have, they, like they, I'm sorry, like they have people that do this voluntarily for no pay just to help do this. Mm. And 
uh, you know, I'm not a wobbly myself. Like I haven't completely ascribed to that yet because I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but at the same time, you know, the IWW will help you organize your workplace, regardless of what stage you're in and contacting them you know, you'll find those resources about inoculation specifically, which was what we didn't have during the drive at No Evil yeah. Foods. So definitely look into that. Awesome. Yeah. I, IWW, from, from what I know about them, are really awesome. So um, also, I just want to plug this right here. Um, if anybody's looking for a great account to follow, definitely uh, Jobama W. Trump. I don't know who runs that account, but it is great. Does that remind you of these guys because of uh, how woke they are? <laughs> I think I've heard there's a Facebook page and a Twitter page. Hell oh, this, wow. This is so dope. Yeah. <laughs> huh. uh, but I did want to Obama W. Trump is actually my favorite page on Facebook. I, I Facebook and Twitter. I, it's, follow. it's popular. It's got Hell a yeah. lot of followers, <laughs> more than I would have expected, but I'm very happy. Um, I wanted to give you guys a chance only if you wanted to, to tell people where they can find you online, or if not, maybe you would like to plug Mo Evil socials on the website again. Um, if I had to plug any socials, like I said earlier, it would be moevilfoods.com. Um, and so evil foods on Instagram, uh, Mo evil foods too on Instagram, birdie Gregson on Twitter. Uh, these are great pages to follow. Uh, whoever's running them is doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Another thing worth mentioning is that uh, another thing worth mentioning is that I, Megan Sullivan, am on Twitter. I have this really long, ridiculous name with like 700 numbers because I made it in a rage when I was mad at No Evil Foods. Yes. But I'll I'll send it to you so you can link it like in the description because if I tried to say it, it would take 10 years. But, um, but uh, I basically document like everything that makes me really mad about everything that happened. And I link to other accounts and all this other stuff. So I would encourage anyone to follow me on Twitter. I'll send them a link. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, all you guys send us any links that you want us to add to the description of these uh, episodes, please. Uh, I'm on Twitter at another Winston. Um, in my free time, I like to collect really weird conservative propaganda. Cool. Uh, I'm going to turn on my, my camera real quick so you can see what I'm currently reading. This Wait, is amazing. <laughs> yes. Hold on. Oh, hold on. I'm not ready God. for it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's the, the kid's guide to fighting socialism. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Yeah. It is pure comedic gold. What is, it is that? Is, oh, my God. Let me, let me find my favorite page. Oh, show that okay. to John. Sorry, John walked away. Show that again. What is that? The Children's Guide to Anti-Socialism, Fighting Socialism. I yeah. Oh, my God. Josh, where the hell did you find that? <laughs> oh uh, a Facebook ad came up, and I was like, this is worth $2. <laughs> <laughs> hell yes. Who publishes it? Uh, let me see. Oh, nice. Everbright Media. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, this is amazing. I love, I love, I just love all of those bullshit, like fucking, um, like analysis. Like, uh, they'll post like uh, these, like, um, basically like charts or whatever showing like deaths under socialism or deaths under communism or whatever. And yeah, I, I've seen some great ones recently, basically like, um, like, uh, in the same vein as that, like, uh, that are just like deaths under capitalism. And they're just like, 
it's it's an insane amount more. <laughs> like, I mean, Karl Marx personally garroted over a gazillion billion people. <laughs> Didn't you know? <laughs> Didn't you know? Oh fuck! <laughs> oh what? Socialism an unfree system. Socialism bad. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, like Jesus I. Christ. <laughs> it just it oh harkens God. back to when I was younger and like, you know, this was pre social media time and you would find the most wild biblical biblical pamphlets <laughs> like, uh, you know, like the burning hell and, <laughs> you know, this might become my new passion project. I might I might start documenting this on my Twitter. Yo, oh, yes, that I will live awesome. for that. Please. I will live for that. <laughs> hell yeah it's like the, and then like the all those like those bullshit like actual there's some kind of actual organization or something it's like the victims of communism memorial fetish oh, yeah 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 they, they like tracked the world's covid deaths they counted the world's covid deaths as deaths under communism which is fucking <laughs> insane <laughs> as fuck <laughs> that is amazing that is that like, that is genuinely amazing it's fucking insane. Yeah. So if you guys ever want me to come back to talk about this, like I am, I absolutely do. Because <laughs> I mean, like you know, to refutate any of this, it would turn into the whole like, oh, left the left can't meme because it would be like, mm-hmm. like probably per page, like two pages to debunk it. Yeah. Damn. Honestly, I think it'd be worth doing, and it'd be fun to have you on and just like go through all of the like conservative propaganda shit that you've like encountered or collected. <laughs> Oh yeah, with pleasure. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was definitely really fun talking to you. <laughs> y'all are my favorite people. Yeah, I love like you. I love all of you. Yeah, like, y'all are ridiculous. It's so awesome to be y'all. And, like, <laughs> I fucking I, heroes. I would want to talk to y'all like again, like at any time. Like I would like having any of y'all back would be really awesome. Yeah, anytime so. you've got a subject, just fucking. Happy to. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Y'all are so fucking cool. Yeah, if there's anything that y'all are like, you know what, I want to talk about that for an hour and a half. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> yeah. let, us, let us know. <laughs> um we appreciate you seriously uh please do yeah most definitely i'm sorry but i'm also happy i mean y'all have just been such an inspiration i think to people now and to come and there's a silver lining there and like like y'all were saying hopefully you know like what y'all went through and documented this can be just like a lesson for everyone else trying to organize also Oh, most definitely. I'm also very thankful. Uh, sorry, I'm also very thankful again about how everybody, including Josh and John and everybody, like how um, understanding you were when I had that meltdown. Um, that was something that was really frustrating for me because I I just kept sitting there like, oh my God, I ruined the podcast. I ruined oh. the podcast. I ruined everything. And I know exactly. It's crazy. It's stupid. And, it, you know, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your understanding and how y'all pretty much gave me a week to recover from all of that. And this has been really great. And I'm very thankful. Yeah. Anytime at no all. No problem. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. I mean, like, and I'm like, you know, really like having the chance to like, you know, you're there's always going to be things where you're going to be like, oh, wow, I have big feels for this. And I didn't even realize I did. Yeah, exactly. Big, big feels. No meme. Big, no, big feels. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Y'all are so cool. Okay. Well, hey, reach out anytime. And I definitely want an update on anyone and anything having to do with this. Yes. And uh, I'm going to go infiltrate all your social medias. And <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Well, take care, you guys. Don't be strangers. Yeah, definitely. Take care. Thank we'll you. Talk to you all soon. Great talking with you too, um, Megan John. Love yeah, you, guys. you too. Bye. Bye.